0: We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's word. ago, we shared on the fact that in, um, in the Gospel of Luke, you look at the, the Last Supper, and we look at the Last Supper, and there's two cups in the Last Supper. There's a first cup, and then later on we see Jesus take another cup, and uh, the first cup is the cup of sanctification, and the second cup that we read of is what they call the cup of redemption. And it says this, this, this is the new cup, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, and it will be poured out for you. And we looked at how that really speaks about prophesying about the Spirit which is poured out. Because Galatians three thirteen says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse, mm-hmm. having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So that's what we celebrate on Good Friday. But there's a reason for it, because verse 14 says, So that. And so that is so that the Holy Spirit might be poured out, which was promised to Abraham. So the promise that we celebrate on Easter actually comes true in Pentecost, but it's come true a few thousand years ago, so that's why we can celebrate it every day. That's why we don't need a cross, we don't need to be somber today, that's why we call it Good Friday, because what was promised has been fulfilled. Amen? You don't want to be convinced, so you're in the right place. <laughs> Hopefully when you walk out of here, you're going to be convinced. And um, there's so much about Easter, but it's really just about Jesus it's not about bunnies, even though I like Lindt chocolate. So if anyone wants to send me a bunny, I, did, I, I got one yesterday and I was like, thank you. But this is not what it's about. <laughs> but I'll enjoy it anyway. So Romans 13 and verse 10, we looked at this on Sunday. It says, love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. So Jesus came to do what? Jesus came to fulfill something. He says, I don't come to destroy the law and the prophets I came to fulfill. And interesting, the word destroy, I read it in the week. And when, um, when they spoke about Barabbas, they said, Set Barabbas free and destroy Jesus. That's the word in the King James. I was like, Wow. And then before that, it says, That is what the chief priests entice the people. And I was like, but wait, the well, way, there's a problem there. There's supposed to be one high priest, but it says the chief priests, plural. So it shows you that even the highest form of religion, the, the Jewish structure, the, the, even that, that whole thing, the whole culture of Judaism was set up around it and it was corrupted. And it is funny that in the time that it was corrupted in the sense that there was two high priests, that's the time Jesus died. But it had to be that the priest condemned Jesus because that is what the priest did. The priest took the lamb and they said, this is the lamb without spot, bremish, and wrinkle. Then they washed the lamb. Jesus got baptized, didn't he? And then they offered the lamb. And that is exactly what happened. John the Baptist, his dad was Zechariah. I think I have it right. And Zechariah was what? A priest. And the priest, how do we know that? Because when he is in bringing the offering, then he gets this prophecy from the angel that he's going to receive a son. And this son will carry the spirit of Elijah and will, will carry forward and announce the one to come. And what did he say? Is, Behold the voice of the one in the wilderness crying out, May way, make ready. And then he stands amongst his disciples, and he's not in the temple, but he's still a Levite, because his father is Zechariah the priest. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And that is not insignificant. That is very significant because a priest had to pick the unblemished lamb. And he picks the unblemished lamb and he announces this is the lamb of God who's going to do what? He's going to take away not the sins of Israel, but he is now fulfilling the promise to Abraham, which is he will take away the sins of the world. Because God said to Abraham, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And the Israelites didn't like that. Because they wanted to be blessed. And they didn't want to share the blessing. In our pre-service meeting, we spoke about it. There's always more place in the kingdom. There's always another seat. And interesting, what we're going to talk about is the fulfillment of Passover today. And the fulfillment of Passover, they used to leave a seat for Elijah. There was an open seat. Because the spirit of Elijah would come back. Now, that's John the Baptist. He's come. Okay? So, Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law, and the prophets. Now, Passover is part of the law. So, Passover happened when? When the angel of death passed over the Israelites before they exit as slaves. And they exit as slaves just after the angel of death comes. And the only thing you had to do to be saved is you had to have blood on the doorpost. Again, You had to have blood on the doorpost. And if the angel of death came and there was blood on the doorpost, there was no interview. They didn't, he didn't knock on the door and say, hey, who's inside? He just passed. He passed over. Okay. Now, last night, I just had to bri some lamb, you know. <laughs> we had to celebrate properly. So I phoned Natasha I said, don't worry, I'm bringing meat. And I made sure it was some good lamb. We don't eat lamb often, but last night I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) You see, I'm not celebrating Passover because Passover is fulfilled. I didn't go through all the rites and the rituals and the The matzo matzo and the the, the hyssop and the, the bitter herbs and all of that because it's fulfilled. But I just had fun and we had a brine. And we made sure we ate everything. Amen. Because the Word says in the Old Testament that whatever was left over wasn't allowed to stay till the next day. They had to burn it. What a waste. Huh? You've got some unblemished lamb on the coals. Don't burn it. Eat it. Amen? So I'm making a point here this morning. is <coughs> We're looking at fulfillment. The songs we sang, it went from Jesus on the cross, redemption, being raised, all in one. And like, we don't have to sing somber songs on Good Friday. Because 2,000 years ago, something happened so that... Galatians three fourteen, the Holy Spirit poured out. When is poured out? Pentecost. We should actually celebrate Pentecost more than Easter, because that is the fulfilment of the promise. But we can celebrate Easter because that opened the way for Jesus to go back to heaven, like Cara just read, and that the glory that is now His will be revealed in us, which is the outpouring of the Spirit. I'm saying a lot of things, but what I want to show you is love fulfils the law, and God is love, so we cannot fulfil the law. Romans 13, look at it. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So God had to come to fulfill the law because we couldn't, because we weren't love. But now as He has loved us, so we now love one another. What does 1 John 4 say? Beloved, this is love. Not that you love God, but that He loved you first. This is the law fulfilled. Not that you did it, but He did it because He's love. So the law fulfilled. fulfilled. Who agrees with me the law is fulfilled? Who agrees with me that Passover was part of the law? <coughs> now you have to be careful because it was before the law. But it, it became, became part of the law. Okay? And then there was many ideas and things that came with it. Like Sabbath. Sabbath was from Genesis, but then it became part of the law. So it was absorbed. So why did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I came to destroy. I came to be destroyed. I didn't come to destroy. Very different. I came to be destroyed so that I could fulfill. What did he fulfill? The law and the prophets, the prophecies, the Old Testament. Now, that's Romans 5, 17. Let's jump back to verse 5. It says, And hope make not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. What is the fulfillment of the, of the law? It's love. Now, how is this love made visible? It is made visible. It is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Given to us. Maybe you think like Peter you're on the wrong day. This is Easter now you're talking about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I want to show you that it's fulfilled. And I promise the church that we'll speak about the four cups. And we're going to do so today. Romans 5.6 says. For when we were yet without strength. Impotent is the word without strength. We were unable to multiply. We were impotent. That's a problem. Because in Genesis, God says multiply and subdue. So we were not able as humanity to fulfill our god given destiny in Genesis. Because we were impotent, we were without strength, we were not able to multiply. We were not spiritual, actually. We were just natural, carnal. In due time, Christ died for who? The worst sinners in the world. Those who do everything wrong. Yes, but all of us, because it was the ungodly. Meaning those without God. What is ungodly? Un is without, and godly is godly. It's it's those without God. Not those murderers, those sinners, those filthy ones. Yes, them too, but we all were without God. So we've got some teachings on that which I'm not going to get into today, but what is a sinner? And it's really someone just missing the God part. Romans 5 7 says, Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet per adventure. I like the King James there. Per adventure <laughs> what's the greatest adventure it's to die for someone according to this for a good man someone would even dare to die so last week Saturday we were reaching out and we are going with the mission school and we are on the streets and I asked this guy eventually I don't know what to say to him anymore because he just doesn't want to get it and I said hey man are you a father he says yes I have a son I said awesome will you die for him he said it depends And I'm shocked, but I'm reminded of Romans 5 that says, maybe for a good man. So it means his sign is not all that good, probably. That is the condition of man. And I first had experience with that condition a week ago, less than a week ago. But I read this and it says, for a righteous man, someone will die. Yet perhaps, peradventure, for, uh, for, for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Verse 8, it says, but God commendeth, God demonstrates... You see, love is, is nice. I love my wife, but sometimes I need to show it. Guys, secret. When I have you married, show them. Just tell them. Amen? Show them. Now, your wife is like, Peter at the sin." huh? <laughs> but God commendeth or demonstrates His love where? Oh. Pause when you read the Bible. Pause. It says His love is not up in the sky. His love is direction. His love is demonstrated by coming towards us. We sometimes want to run away from God. Cain was running away from God and God pursued him because his love was going towards God's love is directional. He didn't go to Mars. He didn't go to the moon. He came to earth when he sent Jesus because we were here. He, God, demonstrates his own love, not our love, his love, towards us in that while we were still sinners... While we were without God, He died for us. So for Him, it's not depending. Because He knew we could never be good enough. So He just said, I'm going to cover it all for all. One sacrifice for all sin, forever for all eternity. That is Hebrews 10. And that just comes from, from Romans 5, where He says, Christ died for us. Who? Us without Him. Now it says, much more then. You'll see some of us wearing some, uh, I think, some pretty nice T-shirts. That it speaks about the much more life. And the much more life has got nothing to do with things. Oh, sorry. Not more cars, more things, more money. No, more spirit, more of God, more forgiveness, more love, more passion, more adventure. Because it says, much more than Having been justified, why? By His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Highlight this. I'm going to show you where this happened today. Saved from wrath. How? By His blood. Okay, you get that. So the Passion says, and there is still much more to say of His unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Amen. Isn't that good news? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, God is no longer angry. Amen. And not that God is this angry man or was this angry man, but God is just God is love. And if someone does something to someone I love, then there is something I want to do about it. And sin, the devil, all the things of this world has been against the people of God, the sons of God, the children of God. And God said, I'm going to make a plan. My love is so much it is towards them. And I'm going to fulfill what was promised. The law and the prophets. Jesus comes on the scene and they say, Who are you? What do you do about it? And he says, Moses wrote about me. Moses wrote about me. There's a resource outside that is fresh, fresh off the press, uh, called Unfolding. And I want to almost dare you to take it. Because if you haven't listened to that, you will never see the Bible the same. I promise you. It is going to change the way you look at the word and it will glorify Jesus every single moment. Because from Genesis to Malachi, it is all about Jesus. From Matthew to Revelation, if you've been with us, you know it's all about Jesus. The whole word is about Jesus. He was promised, he was prophesied, he came and he fulfilled. So Jesus says, I come to accomplish, I come to bring, I come to fulfill. Now, what is it that he came to fulfill? Hebrews 5 and verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, who had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. This is where he speaks about Jesus' prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. Look at this. In the days of his flesh. He's no longer in his flesh. He wasn't always in the flesh. But there was days, 33 years if you will, that he was in the flesh when He had offered up prayers, supplications is crying, It's specific prayers, with vehement cries and tears, with sweat dropping like drops of blood. He was heard. But who did He pray for? He prayed for God and He said, He was able to save me from death. Why? Because in the flesh, Jesus didn't want to die. In the flesh, He was anguished. He was fearful. He was, um, he, he was, he was crying. He was anxious. Maybe he was depressed. He went through what we go through, but so much more. And what did he pray? He said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from. Oh, I'm going to show you something today. It's not just a metaphor. It's a fulfillment let this cup yet not my will, but your will be done. And what happens? The cup doesn't pass because God is not willing that any should perish, but the all should come to repentance and to the knowledge of the truth. So God's will is sitting in front of And Jesus for the joy that was set before him. Yes, he prayed that prayer. Obviously, he was a man in anyone, anywhere, everywhere like we are, yet without sin. He said, I don't want to die. But I can do full. And if that is what it takes, not my will, but your will. You have to jump around the gospels to get the full story. I mean, that's the beauty of it. You need to, to need We're going to look at Matthew. We're going to look at Luke and we're going to look at John. You can throw Mark in there as well, but for time's sake, we won't go there. But it says in the days of his flesh yet. Now listen to this, Matthew 26. So this is just after Passover. Jesus says, go and prepare a place for me because I've been looking forward to share what with you. This Passover. And he's going to show something miraculous at this Passover. But now we're reversing a little bit into the story. So we we see in Hebrews, he speaks about the prayers, the suffering. Now in Matthew 26, we see it firsthand. Verse 37 says, he took Peter, Jacob or James and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. He was brave. He was going for it. But then all of a sudden he realized. The suffering that's about to come on him. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. He wasn't on the cross yet. He was on his way to the cross and it felt like this is too much. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes. This is too much. I, I wish I'd rather die or, or I'm in agony. I'm depressed. Jesus knows exactly what you're going He knows exactly what you're going through and not only does he know but he's there with you but then he goes on and he went a little further this 39 and he says and fell on his face and prayed saying oh my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me me. nevertheless not as i will but as you will what cup yes the cup of suffering the cup of wrath but why why in this storyline why does he speak about this cup so we have to, to read on. And it says, verse forty. Later he came back to his three disciples and found them all asleep. He awakened Peter and said to him, Do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for just an hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. You will have learned by now that your spirit is eager enough, but your flesh, your humanity is weak. Jesus knows that. He's experiencing it. His spirit is willing. Your will be done, God. But his flesh is weak. He doesn't want to die. Who's to blame him? <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible death. And he knew what was written about him in Psalms and Isaiah and the prophecies. He says in verse 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he went away a second time and praying, saying, Father, O my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. I hope you're... It. You're seeing, you're seeing something here by now. This cup. Lord, if this cup is not going to pass unless I drink it, then I'll drink it. Verse 41. In the, um, in, sorry, back to Luke 22 now. So, Jesus goes without Peru. He does the Passover. In the Passover, you need to read, like I said, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, to see the full picture of what happens. What he doesn't do, he doesn't finish the Passover. Okay, that's the interesting part. In the Jewish tradition, there's, there's lots of things. And I'm not going to get into all the details. I'm just focusing on the four cups. So they have four cups. Okay. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. And in Luke 22, we see Jesus now, um, and he was withdrawn from them. Sorry, that's not... Okay, let's skip to that. Verse 17. Sorry, Julius. Luke 22, 17. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. So this is the first cup. It's called the cup of sanctification. Okay. The cup of sanctification. Now there's a, a second cup, which we don't read of. It's the cup of plagues. And a cup of plagues is the cup that the Israelites did not partake of, but they had the cup there in remembrance of the plagues that fell on the Egyptians.
1: So they had this whole
0: ceremony. So I should have had four cups here. That would have worked. But they had this first cup, and Jesus said, Take, this is the cup of sanctification. Then there's a second cup. We don't read about it, but tradition shows us that's the cup of plagues that they did not partake of. But it was there. They actually poured it out. They said, this is the cup of plagues. They put some bitter herbs in it, and they poured it out. That's the ceremony showing we're not partaking of the plagues. You know, it's by the plagues that they were set free. But they weren't part of it because they were passed over. Now, the next one we read is in Luke uh, 22, verse 20. It says, likewise, also the cup after supper. That's a very specific cup. It's not a cup after supper. It's the cup. Because in tradition, this is the cup that you drink from after supper. So you eat the matzah, the unleavened bread. You eat the meat. You do a lot of things in between, and now you come to the cup after supper. And they come to this cup, and this cup is called the cup of redemption. Da da da. And what does Jesus say? He says, "This cup, the cup after supper, is the New Testament." In my blood, which is shed for you, which is shed, which is poured out. This is what it's always been about. This has never been about wine. It's been about blood. This has never been about cups. It's been about me. I am the carrier. I am the cup of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pour that out in redemption. So that each and every one of you can have the forgiveness, but also the Spirit. You see, this is amazing because now we're at the third cup. And then what they do is, if you read it, they, they sang a hymn. And I think it's Psalm 113 about, if you go check it out. And they sang this hymn. And then you're supposed to take the fourth cup. But they don't. And the fourth cup, it's not a cup of wrath. It is that too. okay, But it's called the cup of consummation. What is consummation? That is the writing or the signing or the finalizing of a covenant. When someone gets married and they go to the marriage bed, the marriage is consummated. Now Jesus says he's not finishing the meal around the table because he's come to fulfill this once and for all. And now he's in the garden just after the meal. We know he hasn't finished the fourth cup. And he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But if there's no way for this to pass, I'll drink it. It is the cup of consummation. It is the cup of finalizing. It is the cup of signing. It is the cup of covenant. And the only way is to go through the suffering to finish it. You guys blessed already? The fourth cup. Now, it's also a cup called the cup cup of Hallel, which is where we get the word Hallelujah. It's the cup of praise. So Jesus goes to the cross to fulfill the praise. No, to fulfill Passover so that there can be praise. To take all of the wrath he did not remember come to destroy, but to be destroyed, so that he could fulfill. So you never again have to drink of that cup. Because we have the fullness poured out, which is his spirit. And why does Jesus say on the cross? He says it is faith. What is he talking about? The promise of Passover. The people of God came to be through Abraham. They went and they lived in Egypt as slaves. And they exited through a promise. But that promise was only or the flesh and the blood in that instance because they left Egypt and they went into what well, should have been the promised land. But the human condition, you know, tends to get in the way. <laughs> and they spent some 40 years in the desert. But eventually, they did enter the promised land. Which again, Jesus says, I came to fulfill the Old Testament. Which was physical people moving about. I now show you it is a spiritual truth. Where he came to live in us. And God is no longer angry. Sin is no longer an issue because we've been sanctified. We are not partaking of the plague. We've been redeemed. And the marriage covenant has been consummated so we can sing the praise and the hallelujah at the wedding feast. That is possible. And right before Jesus dies. We have to go to John. You know why the other guys went there? They went there. John was there. John seventeen. Carrie read. John heard the prayer because why he was there. Maybe he wasn't praying, but he was listening. And John is at the cross, and Jesus looks at him and he says, John, behold your mother, Mary. What a selfless. He's in such pain. He needs to pull himself up on the cross. And as he pulls himself, the only way that he can do it is to tear baby further the the nails in his hands and his arms. To get a breath. To utter these words. And he says, John, this is your mother. And that's probably all he got out. And he he was hanging again. and, And he went again and he said, Mary, this is your son. In the last moments, he doesn't even think about himself. He thinks about us. And then it says in John 19. He says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. Beautiful. And that scripture might be fulfilled. Why did Jesus come? To fulfill the scripture. But there was one more thing to do. He said, I thirst. Why? Because there's one more cup. The cup needs to be finished. The cup needs to be finalized. And look at this. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar. We read vinegar. We read sour wine. The cup of sour wine. The cup of wrath. The cup of consummation. And they filled a sponge with vinegar. They put it on a hyssop. And they put it into His mouth. Just that is the cross. It's like Inception. It's the cross on the cross. The hyssop branch is the bitter herbs of sin that is placed on a wooden stick and it is dipped into the wine of blood. And Jesus on the cross receives the symbol. Why? To fulfill the symbol. To fulfill the promise. To fulfill the scripture. To fulfill the prophecy. And they say hyssop is what um, Moses said, dip it in the blood on a hyssop branch and sprinkle the altar. I believe when they put the, door, the blood on the doorposts, they put it on a hyssop branch. They dipped the blood of the lamb, the hyssop branch in the blood of the lamb. And they f- painted the, the doorpost in the middle and on the sides. John 10, what does Jesus say? I am the door. And the door covered in blood. So when plagues, when the angel of death comes and they see me, he passes. <laughs> what is interesting, in Exodus they were clearly instructed to stay inside behind the door. And twelve o'clock that night, the angel of death came. And whoever was inside lived. They didn't sleep because the wailing of the Egyptians woke them like minutes later. You can read it. It says, Every house up to Pharaoh, someone died, the oldest son. Now Jesus says in John 10 I am the gate, I am the door. Whoever comes to me will go in and out and find pasture. You see, under the old covenant, we had to wait. And why almost hide under the protection. But in the new, we are free to live. We are getting in and we are coming out. We are standing in grace. We are entering boldly. We are going on a mission. We're going into all the world. We are no longer hiding and waiting for the angel of death to pass. Because the angel has come, it's passed, and it has now been fulfilled. And Jesus is not just the door, but He's the door covered in black. He is the Lamb of God who did what? Yes, He took away the sins of the world, but He said, Passover is finished. The promise, the law, the requirements. He takes a hyssop branch. They put it to His mouth. Hyssop was also used for the cleansing of lepers. And points to the cleansing of our souls that happened when Jesus was crucified for our spiritual condition. Verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received. Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. But if it is no way to pass, I'll drink it. And he hangs on a cross and he says, I will drink it. And he takes the sour wine. And the next thing he does, he says, It is finished. And he lays on his head. And that's why it's a Good Friday. And we get to celebrate that moment because we know how it ends. We know that's not the end. You got something? You want a little bit more before we go? A little bit more. I want to show you how to read the Old Testament. So there's a guy called Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers. Judas sold Jesus, didn't he? His brother. He sold to his brothers. He goes to Egypt. He goes into the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. Things happen. He raises to the top wherever he goes. And eventually there's a hunger. Isn't there a hunger in the world today? There's a thirst. And what these guys do is they come to him, but they don't know it's their brother. Now, Joseph is the son of Rachel. And Rachel only has two sons. But Rachel is the one Jacob loves. But I don't know how much wine he drank, but when he consummated his wedding, it wasn't with his wife. Okay? It, it was with Leah. So Leah has ten sons. or No, Leah is not ten sons. There's some concubines and slaves in there as well. Anyway, Jacob has twelve sons. Two of them from the wife that he loves. The one is Joseph, the one is Benjamin the two youngest sons. Okay, just so you quickly see this. So they come to him, and now there's this whole back and forth. You can go read it. I think it's Genesis 19. You can go read all about that, or Genesis 44, actually. Um, Genesis 19 is Abraham's promise and his outputs to his descendants. And then Joseph does something. He puts a silver cup. Now, now see where we're going. He puts a silver cup into Benjamin's backpack. Yeah? Don't, want, don't, don't worry why that's not the point he puts a silver cup into Benjamin's backpack silver in, in, in the Bible symbolizes um, it's almost you, you, you think you're more important than you are it's, it's a hypocrisy because silver is not gold is it okay so there's something there but what happens is now he sends out his soldiers and they chase down these brothers And the problem is, the one with the cup is condemned. And who has the cup? Benjamin. Benjamin didn't deserve it, but we were all birthed into sin, weren't we? While we were yet dead, while we were yet without sin, while we were yet ungodly, Christ died for us. What's very interesting they're very like, no, we don't have it, we don't have to take it. And they go from the oldest to the youngest, and they go through everyone's things. Obviously, they know who's got it, so they, they're setting, they're building the tension. And Benjamin is found with the cup. And they say, Benjamin, you're condemned. You're condemned. Now, the brothers have grown a little because they're not going to let their little one go, because they see has done to their father when Joseph was killed. So they say we'll all go back. And they all go back to Joseph. And Joseph stands there and he says, This is you stole my cup. You were caught in possession with the cup of condemnation. Can you call it that for a moment? Just to make a point. He's caught with the cup of condemnation. And someone speaks up. One of the brothers. Which one? Judah and Judah says you cannot do this for my father's sake and for Benjamin's sake I will take his place set Benjamin free Judah will take his place isn't that Jesus From the tribe of Judah. You go read Revelation and you see the 12 tribes is mentioned, and it's not the same 12 as in Genesis. What's also interesting is Judah is named first, I believe. You go read Genesis 39, it's all about everything Judah did wrong. Judah did wrong. Judas, Judah. Not the same guy. But go read Genesis 44 and read it through the eyes of Easter, the eyes of Jesus. And you see how Judah says, I, I will take his place. Set Benjamin free. And you know that we are Benjamin because we are birthed from the covenant of love. Not of the Lord. We have been born again through a consummated covenant because of a finished work and an outpouring Holy Spirit. And because someone, the lion from the tribe of Judah said, I will take their place. I don't want to. But if that is what it takes, I will do it. What did Jesus say? I did not come to destroy the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it. What happened between Judah and Benjamin was a prophecy. Yes, I believe it happened. It's a narrative in the natural. But it's a spiritual promise that has been fulfilled. We've been caught red-handed, guilty, lacking, wanting, without God sinners, trying our best, polishing ourselves, hiding our flaws. But you don't have to. Because someone said, I'll go in your place. I'll be your brother. I will suffer. But I will fulfill. The last Supper was indeed the last supper. Passover is fulfilled. So have a bride, Have some bread. Have some red wine if you want. But celebrate Jesus in your family. Because we don't longer need to celebrate symbols and elements. We celebrate significance. We celebrate substance. We celebrate not what was promised, but a promise fulfilled. And I'll close off with Galatians 3. He says, You've been set free from the curse because someone, Judah, took your place on the cross. He became cursed on your behalf you not stay in Egypt do you read it? He became cursed on your behalf but that's not the end of the story because they all went to live in the riches of Russia. they all entered into the rest they all lived in the fulfillment so that the promise to Abraham could be fulfilled, which is the outpouring of the Spirit, the God of redemption, in His blood poured out all of us." Beautiful. Don't even touch the bread and the meat. Let's come back next to <laughs> <laughs> I was so blessed by all of us. you see it's not just about feeling blessed and awesome, it's about living this life. There's a world who doesn't know this. I haven't heard this. We still strive to to perform and to impress and to maybe they've even given up by now. And you and I are carriers of this message carriers of hope and Paul said in Romans 1 I am not ashamed of the gospel for in it is the power of God yes God is in us but God is in this message the words I speak to you they are spirit and they are life you and I are invited to a hurting and broken world to share do that But the cup has been taken. The covenant's been consummated. The spirit's been poured out. Easter is fulfilled impossible. That's what we celebrate. we celebrate Jesus. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.